Welcome back to worship. Um, Wednesday night, uh, high school worship as usual. Um, if this is your first time here, I want to extend an extra special welcome to you. Um, if I haven't had an opportunity to meet you yet, I'd love to meet you after the service. Um, for those of you that have been here a hundred times, welcome back, I guess. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm glad you're back. Uh, it's always a joy to be in worship with y'all every single Wednesday night. Um, it is just, uh, you know, one of the highlights of my week. Um, and uh, especially this series is really exciting for me. Um, as I confessed to you last week that I, well, first off, I love horror movies in general, but zombies, man, zombie movies are so cool to me. I love zombie movies. So when the opportunity arose for me to do a series uh, based on zombies and God, I mean, who doesn't take that chance? So pretty excited about this. Last week, just to recap real quick if you weren't here, we attached the idea of the zombie, something that looks like a human, that resembles life because it walks around, it moans a little bit, right? Um, And it kind of somewhat, depending on what zombies you're looking at, looks like a human. Um, It resembles life, but it doesn't actually possess life. Because if you don't know anything about zombies, zombies aren't alive, they're dead. There's somebody who died from some disease or from a bite of another zombie, and they kind of come back, they reanimate, and they walk around. We talked a little bit about last week, uh, Zombie 101, history lesson on, on zombies. It was pretty fun. But where we landed last week was this idea. We told the story of Jesus and the fig tree. Um, if you're not familiar with the Bible or you've never heard that story before, basically Jesus comes upon a fig tree that looks alive. It's got leaves and everything on it, and he's hungry, and he's like, I'm going to get some figs. And there's no figs on that tree. And Jesus is uh, confused. He's angry because here is this thing that's supposed to be producing fruit. It looks alive, looks like it should be producing fruit, but it's not. It tricked Jesus, basically. Um, And we attach that idea to this idea of being the walking dead, being a spiritual zombie. We're walking around, you know, uh, we've kind of accepted this faith thing, and we go to church, but it's really just emotions. We're just walking through the motions. We show up to church every now and again. Um, We kind of put this label on that I'm a Christian or whatever, but I'm not really possessing life. I look like I'm alive. All the signs, outward signs says I'm alive, but the inside's not being taken care of, and we're not actually producing fruit, right? So that's what we're talking about. Next week, we're going to talk about the key to survival, why we survive, and what keeps us going. So that's going to be a lot of fun. But tonight, tonight we're going to talk about some real practical stuff here. What to do in the event of a zombie outbreak, Everybody needs to know this, right? Super important information. What happens when you wake up and you look outside and the world's on fire and there's these zombies walking all over the place and now you're going, does this mean I have to go to school still? I don't know. Like this, this is the whole talk on surviving. What kind of kit do we put together? Because personally, um, the idea of, of survival comes down to the preparation, Uh, I believe that. I believe that if you're going to properly survive any sort of catastrophe, let alone a zombie apocalypse, it's going to take great preparation. And so we titled this this particular sermon tonight, What's in Your Backpack? Right? What is it that's in your backpack that's going to travel with you, that's going to help keep you alive, that's going to keep you from turning into a zombie, that's going to keep you from becoming the walking dead? That's what we're going to talk about. I've seen tons of... And tons of zombie movies. Tons of them. I've uh, seen zombie TV shows. 
Uh, I've read zombie books and comic books. Uh, it is, I used to read comics, nerd. Whoop. Um, I know a lot about zombies. I even have a book in my office right now that says how to survive a horror movie. Any horror movie situation you may find yourself in, it's going to tell you how to survive it. Obviously, zombies are included in that. And what I've noticed throughout all of these movies, there's a common theme. There are two types of people in a zombie apocalypse. There are those that prepare, and then there are those that panic. Those that prepare, those that panic. Now, that doesn't mean those that prepare aren't scared. That doesn't mean they don't have a tough time. But they don't panic like these people that the zombies come out and they have nothing. They're like, oh, oh, mm, I can run, I guess, for a little while. Like there's people that prepare and people that panic. And we want to be people that prepare. So that's what tonight's about. So we're going to talk a little bit about actual supplies you may need in the event of a zombie apocalypse. But we're going to tie that into spiritual tools, spiritual supplies, things that we do um, spiritually to protect ourselves, to prepare ourselves for catastrophic events, for apocalypses, uh, to prepare ourselves in the event of a major storm or something crazy that happens in our life. So that's what we're going to talk about. So the supplies, let's just get right down to it. Supplies. The first thing you need, the most important thing in the event of any sort of catastrophe or a zombie apocalypse is water. Wow, somebody nailed it. First one, very good, water. <laughs> water, Kevin's going to be very safe, or at least well hydrated in the, in the midst of a zombie apocalypse. Water. Now, people like to skip over water. They don't like to prioritize it so high, but I'm going to prioritize water at the very top. We talked about this several weeks ago um, in, our, uh, in his Word series about Jesus. Uh, we talked about this idea of water and that you can only live for so long without water. I mean, a couple days maximum. And even those last few days when you haven't had any water to drink, you're dehydrated. That means you can't perform to your optimum ability. So if you are attacked by zombies and you're totally dehydrated for a few days, you're not going to be able to fend them off. You might get sick. Water is super important. Now, water, we talked about a couple weeks ago um, in the Bible, is used... Uh, When we talk about Jesus, Jesus uh, had this idea of living water. So, the practical zombie apocalypse, you need water. Bottles of water, jugs of water, stick them in your backpack, you need water. When it comes to our spiritual lives, we start, number one priority is with Jesus. With Christ, who is the living water. I read this verse to you a couple weeks ago, I'm going to read it again. It comes from John chapter 4, verse 14, and it says, The water I give will become a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The water I give will become a spring of water welling up to eternal life. We even go to the back of the Bible in the book of Revelation, most confusing book ever written. Uh, here it is. Uh, in Revelation 21.6, it says, To him who is thirsty, I give a drink without cost from the spring of the water of life. To whom who is thirsty, I give a drink without cost from the spring of the water of life. Christ is number one. If we're to protect ourselves, if we're to be prepared for crisis in our life, then Jesus needs to be the first priority. He needs to be the center of our life. And that starts now. We're preparing now. We're putting Jesus in our backpack, our spiritual backpack, right? That's where it begins. Our spiritual health, our spiritual journey begins 
with Christ, our example. So that's number one. Number two, second most important thing. It's right there. It's right there. A ray gun, yes. If we were attacked by zombies in the year 3000. A weapon. A weapon. Now we get to the good stuff, right? We need a weapon. We need some sort of weapon to fight zombies. A weapon protects you, right? Zombies are coming at you. What do you do? You don't sneeze on them. Punching them is only going to get you so far. You need a weapon. You need something to attack these zombies. You need to get them, right? Now, preferred weapon, bazooka. But kind of hard to put in a backpack. Also kind of hard to find. Um, A ray gun. (laughs) Are you going to the future to get these ray guns for us? Mystery box? I'm confused. Uh, The weapon. Uh, You can use a a gun, right? Handgun, shotgun, machine gun. Uh, You could use a ray gun. Uh, You could use a bat, right? Because if... In some zombie movies, zombies are attracted to sound, right? So you shoot a gun, all of a sudden they all go, right? And they'll come after you, and you only have so many bullets, then you just throw the gun at them, and now you're done. So something like a bat, right? An aluminum bat, probably. Crowbar would be excellent, because crowbar, you could, like, bash them, but then you could still, like, stab them with it. Right. Yeah, see? Look at here. He knows. He's going to be good. Uh, If you've seen The Walking Dead, like a crossbow... Crossbow, good. You can only carry so many arrows. So, but a, a knife, they kind of get close to you. A knife would be okay. But what if you jab a knife into a zombie's skull and there's another one and you can't get it out? Like, never having a problem. So, <laughs> we could debate all day about weapons that we're going to fight zombies with. But the point is, any weapon is better than no weapon at all. Right? You need a weapon. You need something to fight these zombies off with. You need something to kill these zombies. Now, that's true. Real life zombie apocalypse. But when we're talking about the spiritual side, to me, weapon means truth. Anybody's heard the, the, uh, the saying, knowledge is power, right? Um, to me, the truth, the truth is a great weapon for us. A great thing that helps protect us. Um, and truth to me, you know, we can get philosophical and talk about absolute truth and God is truth and all that stuff. But for me, truth is found in our scriptures, in the Bible. Now, our Bible is huge, right? It's big. Anybody read the whole thing front to back? Congratulations. You're going to heaven. Good job. Uh, the Bible is huge. I mean, it, and it's lots of words. And depending on which Bible you have, it can be real confusing. Lots of these, thous, thouists, and, you know, uh, but... You know, you probably have one on your phone, and, and reading the Bible is good. There's actually some books, we talked about Revelation earlier, that are really confusing. So what I don't want you to do is get bogged down with this idea that the entire Bible, until you read the entire Bible, there's no truth to be had. You can read one singular scripture, like if we just read John 4:14, the water I give will become a spring of water welling up to eternal life. If that's the only scripture you knew, that Christ is this living water, this source of eternal life, that's a pretty good scripture to know, and I would call that truth. Truth helps protect us. Because what happens when we don't have truth, when we're not sure of anything, when we haven't read and we don't know what we believe, anybody who comes and challenges you may cause you to doubt yourself, may cause you to doubt the things that have been that have been burning inside of you and, and, and help you grow and help you live and have been a major part of your life, when you don't know truth, 
you can't protect yourself against lies. Right? So there's this guy named John Wycliffe, um, the theologian, etc. I don't want to bore you with that. But he said this, and I thought it was really cool. It says, I believe in the end, truth will conquer. I believe that in the end, truth will conquer. When we have truth in our lives, when we begin to know the things that we believe, when we begin to search and dig into our Bibles, begin to understand those things deep down inside of us. That way when lies hit us, when we're challenged with things, we have a weapon to protect ourselves. And that truth will conquer. Truth will conquer. See, um, Jesus, um, when you read about Jesus in, in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, um, you'll find many times that the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the religious leaders of the time would come to Jesus because they didn't like him very much because he was stirring up trouble. And they would say, Jesus, and they would ask him some real confusing question. And they would try to trick him. They would try to trap him into saying something stupid so that he, they could point at him and see, everybody, Jesus is dumb. Don't listen to him. That's what they wanted to do. And often Jesus would quote scripture to them. See, Jesus knew scripture forward and backwards. And heck, he was Jesus. Why did he need to know it? But he knew it. Jesus knew scripture. And when he, when he was challenged with it, he was able to go to that scripture for protection. So, need a weapon. Now, uh, number three. What, what does anybody think? Mm. Number three is a map. <gasps> what? A map, a map. Now, Siri, what can Siri become a zombie? That would be crazy. That'd be weird. So, a map. Now, out of all of the horror movies—not horror movies. Let's say zombie movies. Out of all the zombie movies I've watched, very rarely do I find anybody with a map. But I will tell you this: in every one of those, the person with the map survived. A map is a big deal, and it's often overlooked. A map, whenever you are caught in the middle of a zombie apocalypse, if the whole world is burning around you, you wake up in your bed, and you're like, okay, i got to get out of Mansfield because there's lots of zombies everywhere, and I'm trying to get to wherever, right? And you just, I mean, cell phone towers are down, so you can't pull up your Google Maps anymore. You're like, what the heck? Where am I going? A map. You need a map because what a map does is it helps you plan your route. It helps you plan your route because if you're walking down this road that you know takes you down to Waco, that's where the safe zone is, let's say. You're walking down to Waco, down I-35, and all of a sudden you see in the distance this horde of zombies, and you're like, well, crud, this is the only way I knew how to get to Waco. Now what do I do? You look at your map, and you know where to go. A map helps you plan, helps you to know where you're going. And this is an often overlooked supply you need when surviving a zombie apocalypse. What does that mean for our spiritual life? That means you need a plan. That means your life needs a plan. That means you need to be looking forward, understanding where you're going, making decisions today that positively affect your future. Now, we can't see into the future. It's not like we can look down there and say, I know exactly what's going to happen to me if I do this right now. But we do know that when we start to make good choices now, when we start to prepare ourselves now, we set ourselves up for success in the future. We need a plan. It's real popular uh, to say, 
uh, and it's been popular even before YOLO or whatever, but it's been real popular to say that, you know, you, you live one day at a time, right? You just live one day. I'm going to take every moment in as that moment comes. And that's all I'm going to do. I'm just going to kind of float around and experience things and see what's going on. Now, it is good to be in the moment, but when we live every day like that, that's the same thing as walking like this everywhere you're going. Pretty soon, you don't know what you're going to run into. You don't know where you're headed. The idea of a plan is to be looking up and looking forward. Understanding that the decisions we make today affect our future. And if we have a future in mind, if we have something in our future that we're like, we want this. This is what I want to be when I grow up. But I'm not doing anything right now to make that future happen. That's not having a plan. Now, I'm going to read you a scripture out of Luke chapter 14. That It doesn't talk about a map. But it talks about this idea of planning. So I'm going to read it, and then we're going to talk about it a little bit more. So Luke chapter 14, verse 28, it says, Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Will he not first sit down and estimate the cost to see if he has enough money to complete it? Somebody wants to build a tower. He doesn't just start building it. He estimates the cost, see if he has enough, so that he doesn't start something that he can't finish. A plan. Our lives need a plan. We need to look forward. If you haven't thought about your future at all, and I'm not talking about necessarily your career or looking 30 years into the future. I'm thinking about even as far as next year, six months from now, if you're not thinking about who you want to be past today, you need to start thinking about that. Begin to, begin to dream about the person that you want to be and then start making decisions today to get you there. A map. Now, number four, are we on number four? Yeah, let's say number four. Number four is, did you say fruit? Food. <laughs> Food, yes, finally we get to eat something. Food. Oh, my gosh. Food. Food number four. So you got your backpack. You have a map in there. You have a weapon in there. You got water in there. Now you're putting food, pizza rolls, now you're putting food in there, right? You got to have food, you got to have some energy, you got to have the calories to burn, you need some nourishment, you need a peanut butter sandwich that's delicious whenever those zombies have been chasing you, you just just need to take a break, right? What's that? Is it Twix? What's the candy bar? Just take a break. Kit Kat, right? I need a break from these zombies. Give me that Kit Kat bar, right? You need food. Food is nourishment. Anybody in here been super hungry before, like you didn't eat breakfast and you didn't get a chance to eat lunch, Right? And it's going to be about 6 o'clock at night, and maybe you had practice or something, and you're just like, oh, my gosh, I'm going to die if I don't have food, right? You get so hungry. I mean, there's been times where my stomach just ached. It just like it was like poking me like this. I was like, I'm so hungry. I could eat so much. Food is nourishment. It's energy. Uh, if you want to get uh, into the biology, we've got calories that are actually fueling your body. That's the zombie side of things. When we're talking about our spiritual life and we're preparing our lives to be strong, food is worship. What we're doing in here when we sing songs, when we gather together to experience God as a group of people. And it can happen on your own too, but worship. When we gather around seeking the presence of God, when we're connecting our spirit to the one that gives life, the one that created all life. It energizes our soul. 
when I was your age and when I was in my 20s, um, I wasn't real consistent with church. Like, I went to church for like two months at a time. I'd go, and I'm like so psyched about church. And I'd go, and I'm yeah, church is awesome. And then like one thing would happen. I'd be like, oh, I don't think I'm going to I'd stay up too late on Saturday or something. Like, oh, I'm not going to go to church this Sunday. So I wouldn't. Well, that Sunday would turn into another Sunday, and then I would just go every now and again, you know. And, I mean, looking back, at the time you don't really notice it. You're just kind of like, eh, eh. But when you look back, you're like, man, you start going to church again regular. You start worshiping again regular, getting in that, in that atmosphere with people. You look back and you go, like, man, I really was missing something. My soul feels energized again. I needed this. Worship energizes our soul. Uh, in the Old Testament, Second Samuel 22, uh, verse 4, it says, I called to the Lord who is worthy of my praise and have been saved from my enemies. I called to the Lord who is worthy of my praise and I'm saved from my enemies. Worship energizes us. Our souls need it. Our spirit needs it. It needs to connect with God's presence, the giver of life, the creator of life, the author of life. We've got we to gotta connect with that. And there's something energizing about when we do it together as a group. Worship energizes us. That's our food. It nourishes our bodies. Uh, next, here's another easily overlooked supply that you need in your backpack when trying to survive a zombie apocalypse. It's a radio. Right? Not so you can listen to your jams while you're getting attacked. Not so you can beat up zombies to a soundtrack, you know, put on your metal. Like, yeah, time to kill zombies, you know. Get yourself psyched up before you go out and fight some zombies. That's not what a radio is all about. Cell towers. Now, now, I'm getting to that. That was a very good point, but I'm getting to that. Here's the idea with the radio. When zombie apocalypses first happen, not everything is shut down for you. And what a radio does, if you watch any zombie movies, a radio is able to communicate, especially over the emergency channels, where the safe zones are, where people are going that are not zombies to gather together, to rally up supplies, and hang out together not being zombies, right? The radio tells you where to go. The radio is like a guide. It's this communication that helps lead you to safe zones. Now, if you spend long enough in a zombie apocalypse, eventually radios are going to be no good. But in the very beginning, radios are next. That's why I put it way down on the list. Radios important, but not as important. A radio. Now, this idea of radio, for me, is prayer. It's this communication. It's this communication with something you may not necessarily be able to see, but you can hear it. It's something that guides you. Um, so seeking God in personal times, communicating anxiety, fear, joy. This is what prayer is in Philippians chapter four, verse six. It says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Don't be anxious about anything, but with everything through prayer and petition and thanksgiving, Present your requests before God. Prayer. Prayer for me is um, when I am nervous about something. Not, God, I'm nervous because I did not study for this test, so could you please get me an A? Not that kind of nervous. But 
you know, if I if I have something big coming up next week, next Wednesday, actually, in the morning, um, I go before a board of people that get to decide whether or not I get to continue on trying to become a pastor. The Methodist Church becoming a pastor is a very long and very long, I'm just going to say that, very long process. And uh, at this point, I have to meet in front of this board. I had to write out all these questions about what I believe and, and, and things that I understand about God and, and faith and church. And they're going to sit down and they're going to grill me. They're going to ask me some really hard questions. And I'm kind of nervous about that. Not because I'm not firm in, in who I am and what I believe, but it's nerve-wracking when somebody comes in and starts throwing these crazy hard questions at you. And you know that if you don't answer to their liking, or they don't have faith in you, then they can say no, and that process just ends. It's over, right? Uh, it makes me nervous. And, and so I've been praying for a very long time about this moment, that God, I know a little bit of, of nerves is okay, but I just want to go into this being fully confident in who I am and what I know, and be able to speak clearly. That's what I want to be able to do. And, and little by little, as I pray that prayer each day, I find myself being a little more calm, a little more confident, a little more calm, a little more confident. When we get to express our joys in prayer, when we get to express our sorrows in prayer, when we get to communicate with God the, the words of our heart, the feelings of our heart, the, the pain, the joy of our heart to God, we get guidance. There's a comfort in that. There's safety in that. Now, again, when I was your age, this is something I was always like, you know. Like, I, I grew up in church. I loved God, knew a lot about the Bible, but prayer was always just a weird thing for me. It's talking to the wall or I'm talking to the ceiling and, like, there's nobody here, you know. It's, prayer was just weird for me. And it wasn't even until a couple of years ago, you know, I, I pray here and there and I would pray and, like, I, I believed in prayer, but it, something about it was weird to me. But not until a couple of years ago when I really said, you know what? I don't know if I've given this prayer thing a fair shot. So I started praying every day. Started getting in the habit of that. And I'm telling you, it is weird sometimes. It really is. But it works. It works. And it's not like magic. It's just I can't even explain it. It's just weird. When you pray and you understand that, that God is hearing your prayer, instantly your fears become uh, calm. You, you begin to feel peace about those things. When you begin to express what's going on up here, when you begin to speak those things out loud, you find answers that you didn't know were there. That's a challenge for you. If you've never prayed, if you thought this prayer thing was weird, just start a little journal. Just wake up and just write a few things down. This is, this is what I'm going to pray about today. Here's the thing I'm excited about and I'm thankful for. Here's the thing I'm nervous about today. And here's the thing I want to pray. Here's somebody I want to pray for specifically. I want to pray for them. Those three things. I'm thankful for this. I'm worried about that. And I want to pray for this person. Those three things every single day. You have a real issue with somebody like, like, I don't know, like they stabbed you in the back and you're just really angry at them and you just want all the worst things in the world for that person and you just can't seem to get over that anger. Try this every day. Pray a prayer for them. Not that they'll become a better person. <laughs> Not a gossipy prayer. Pray that God blesses that person. It could be that short. God, I pray you bless so-and-so today. And I guarantee you in about five days, that prayer 
starts to change your heart. That doesn't mean you have to like that person. That doesn't mean you have to be best friends with that person anymore. But your heart begins to loosen up. It's not hard anymore. Prayer is crazy awesome. No matter how weird it is, it works. Prayer is a big thing. Uh, put that in your backpack. Last one. This doesn't really fit in your backpack per se, uh, but you need companions. You need friends. You may have really small friends, and they may fit in your backpack. I don't know. You may have invisible friends. They'll fit in your backpack. But you need companions. You need companions. When you watch zombie movies, the people that survive are the people that gather together, right? They band together. If you have five people and you all stand back to back and you're fighting off zombies, much better than if you're just one person trying to fight off all these zombies. Friends help. And not only when you're fighting, but also in those alone times. When there's no zombies to be fighting, you have somebody to talk with. You have somebody to relate to, somebody to connect with. Now, here's the thing. When you have that group of people in your crew trying to kill zombies, you want the right people. If you have a bunch of morons that have never looked at a bat in their life, they're like, do I poke them with it? I don't know what I'm supposed to do with this. When they smash your radio or they eat all of your food or start dumping the water out on the ground. Like, those are the worst people to have in your group. Yeah, like that. <laughs> have you seen those videos with the guys with the jugs of water and they just smash it on the ground? If you have that guy in your group, awful. It's not funny right now. Nobody's watching YouTube. There's zombies here. You, ha- you have to have the right people. You band together and you work together. You support each other. This is true in life, too, with our spiritual lives. If we want to protect ourselves, if we want to prepare ourselves, we surround ourselves with the right people. Nobody stands a chance being alone. Nobody stands a chance. In this life, in a zombie apocalypse, when you're alone all the time, you need to surround yourself with good people. Surround yourself with people you trust, people that are older than you that you can look up to, people that are younger than you that you can mentor, people that are your age that understand what you're going through. You need all kinds of people and you need to surround yourself with them. And I believe this pretty thoroughly, that the quality of people you surround yourself with begins to determine the quality of life that you live. If you surround yourself with a bunch of losers, people that aren't excited about life, people that all they want to do is drag themselves and everybody else down with them, guess what happens to you? You get drugged down. But when you surround yourself with people that are positive, that are excited about life, that want more than just this moment when you surround yourself with people that lift you up instead of tearing you down those are true friends and your quality of life goes up these are all things that we have to to connect with to to put in our backpack to to put in our life that keeps us healthy that keeps us safe proverbs 27 17 one of my favorite verses i love it because it's so applicable as iron sharpens iron so one man sharpens another. As iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. That means when you put good people in your life, they make you better. They make you a better person. And that's what we all want to be. Along with that, we want to be that for others. If I am lucky enough to be friends with people, I want to behave, I want to act in such a way with them that I bring them up instead of tearing them down. I want to be a positive influence with my friends. Just like I want them to be positive for me. Friendships. 
Now, having trouble making friends, don't know where to find them, church is a great place. Have you ever been in a small group? Small groups are awesome. You get to meet people that you never thought you would hang out with. You get to talk deep about stuff. You get to learn from each other. These are great things. And here's the other thing. When it comes to friends, be picky. Be picky about your friends. You don't have to be friends with everybody. The Bible says you've got to love everybody. But that doesn't mean you have to be friends with everybody. The people that you want close to you, that you would call friends in your life, need to be people that build you up and not tear you down. Friends, so, so that's it. That's our list. I'm going to run it down for you one more time. So we got water, we have a weapon, we have map, we have food, we have radio, and we have companions. All of these things are part of our survival kit. And if you look at that from a spiritual perspective, that means we have Christ first and foremost in our life, our number one key to survival. Second is we have the truth. We have a firm foundation in our scriptures. We're beginning to read and understand them, that we have a plan that we're looking ahead, knowing where we're going in life, and understanding that our, any move that we're making now affects that future, that we're getting nourished, that we have food, that we have worship, that we're beginning to nourish our souls and energize our souls, that we begin to pray, understanding prayer, making that a part of our life, and that we surround ourselves with good people. Now, I told you there are two people two kinds of people in life, right, in these, in these zombie movies. You have the people that prepare, and then you have the people that panic. And I've seen too many people that are spiritual zombies, right? Like they're, they're, they're walking dead. They're, they come to church, but they're not really applying this stuff. They haven't done the preparation. They don't worship. They don't truly worship. They may show up every now and again, but they're not here worshiping. They're not praying. They're not understanding their scripture. Christ isn't first and foremost in their life. They're surrounding themselves with crappy people. You know, they, they haven't done the hard work to prepare themselves, and then all of a sudden, some storm hits their life. Some chaos hits their life, and they are totally unprepared. And then they look around in the storm and say, God, where the heck are you? Where are all my friends that are supposed to be helping me out in this? And they're confused and they're tossed around and they have no idea what's going on. And God's thinking, I, I was trying. I was trying. I wanted so badly to be a part of your life. I wanted to grow you. I wanted you to be so strong spiritually that when this storm hit you, that it would have hurt, but you would have survived it. You would have been ready for it. You could have weathered that storm. They haven't done the hard work to prepare themselves, and so when, when trouble hits them in life, their souls are weak, their spirits are weak, and they're not strong because they didn't have that survival kit. Benjamin Franklin um, said this. Uh, I love this quote, too. By failing to prepare, you are preparing to fail. By failing to prepare, you are preparing to fail. This is true of everything. Tests that you have to take. Anything that you ever do in life, this is a great quote for you to have. By failing to prepare, you are preparing to fail. And this is true in our spiritual lives as well. We, when we prepare our souls, when we strengthen our spirits by practicing these survival tools, we are ready to weather the storm. Now, just as in any zombie movie, there's lots of other things that you could think that would be handy or convenient to have in your backpack as you go through this apocalypse, right? But we narrowed it down to seven most essential things. 
Same thing in our spiritual lives. There are tons of things that we can do that help us grow spiritually. But I wanted to narrow it down to those few things, the most important things, that if you do nothing else, you do these. And if we want to be strong Christians, if we want to be ready to to weather any storm, then we need to be, be prepared for whatever life throws at us. Now, you may be sitting in this room and maybe thinking, man, I got a lot of those things in my backpack already. I could use, you know, some companions or, you know, I could really use a radio. I've been, I've been doing the worship thing and I've got Christ at the front, but I haven't been doing enough prayer. I want to I wanna try this prayer thing. Maybe you got a lot of stuff in there and you're just one or two of those things that you're missing that you're really going to go find and start putting in that backpack. Maybe you're sitting here and your backpack's empty and you're like, I'm totally not prepared. The encouragement I want to give you is this. That the zombie apocalypse hasn't happened yet. Crisis hasn't happened yet. So I'm not saying that tomorrow morning you need to wake up at 4 a.m. to make sure that you find some good, some new friends real quick. And that you got to get that prayer in. i got to read several scripture verses. You know, i gotta, I got to make Christ the center of my life. You know, i got to attend worship in the morning real quick. You know, I, actually, you attended tonight, so good job. You got that one. I'm not saying you got to go get all of these things and then stuff them in your backpack all at once little unrealistic, especially when it's new to you, when you got nothing in there. But I'm saying pick one. If this whole thing is new to you, just pick one of those. Pick one of those and give it a shot. See it work in your life. And then when you've got that, pick another one and put it in there. If you've already got two or three in there, same thing. Grab one. Grab one new thing and take it with you. Put it in the backpack. We, 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 we dress this talk around the, the, the silliness of zombies and, and, and the fun that I get out of that. It is a lot of fun to research that. But I'm, I'm very serious when I talk about these things, that these, these things that we put in our life really do prepare us for the tough times. And that's what I want you to be. I want you to be ready when storms hit your life, when tough times come. I want you to be firm and strong. That's my prayer for you all. Let's pray. Gracious God, we thank you for tonight and this opportunity to gather together. We thank you for the many ways you bless our lives, God. But most importantly, right now, God, we lift up the blessing that it is to be in relationship with you, that you share your presence with us in this place. God, tonight we seek the foresight, the the courage, the strength, God, to begin to prepare our souls, to prepare our spirits. God, through worship, through your son Jesus, through the truth of your scriptures, God, through prayer, God, through our friends. God, we just pray that that you are with us. You help us look forward, make a plan for our lives. Let us see the person that we could be and begin to do things today to become that person. Strengthen our spirits, God, because we Some of us may be going through storms right now. Some of us are going to experience them in the future. God, we just want to be prepared. We want to be ready. We want to be strong in you. And we do that by drawing closer to you. In your name we pray. Amen.